to uh, either uh, preach or uh, share about Alaska. I spent um, the last this last summer in Alaska, and I was like, I'll take the easy road. I'll, I'll share about Alaska <laughs> instead of trying to preach. Um, and just talk about um, some of the things that I learned, uh, the experience that I had, um, and just share about Alaska as well and the church up there. Uh, this won't be much of a sermon, more of like a... Uh, you know, all the impactful quotes and points, but um, it's going to be something just kind of my story, and hopefully it can be relatable. Um, so I'm going to start out rough, and we'll kind of climb to the positive at the end. Um, so Alaska, why did I even go to Alaska? Um, there is a church up there um, that uh, has like this big camp. It's like a 100-acre uh, camp, and uh, they have like a little farming program and all this stuff, and... Uh, um, my sister like sent me the link and I was like, sure, but like that wasn't the reason why I went. It was like that was just something that could get me there. But um, uh, I'll name off the reasons why I went. Uh, I got dumped by the girl I thought I was the one. I was living alone. I quit the job that I built my identity around. Uh, I had no trust in God. Um, I was I had to start taking antidepressants. I had to start going to therapy again. I was having panic attacks almost every day. Uh, I was distance, distancing myself from friends and my family, and uh, I was distancing myself from God because I had started to, started to feel kind of some silence from God. Uh, so I went to Alaska. Um, I thought going to Alaska was going to kind of uh, you know be this thing. I'm getting away from a, uh, my home and getting going to a different place to help me kind of draw close to God again and come back this new man all fired up for God and all healed and grisly and manly come back with some you know big old beard and some bear scars and, and uh, you know but uh, honestly you bring yourself wherever you go right that's uh, right no trip will heal all your wounds honestly you'll just be crying in a prettier place <laughs> oh man and uh, in Psalm 5 uh, verse 3 it says in the morning Lord you hear my voice in the morning I lay my requests before you and wait um, I got up to Alaska, and uh, I was almost completely alone on this massive property. Uh, like, there's houses. They, they built cabins and houses, nice places, and they had this massive lodge that just sits there and has this beautiful view of Denali. And I'll show you some pictures later, but it's like... It's like they cut out this massive 100-acre piece of property, all these birch trees. It's beautiful. And like they even said, like um, when they bought the property, it was real cheap. And when they cut all the trees down to kind of make space for the area, the guy that sold the property was like, oh, dang it. Uh, that's a really good view of Denali. Uh, and it's literally like this. If there's no clouds, it's just this. You go into this lodge, and it's just like these massive windows, like taller than this this floor wow. ceiling and you go in it's just this mountain right in front of you it's massive um but i got there again i was completely alone except for a marriage retreat and a woman's retreat going on so i really loved it some, of the, some of the fun things uh there was no heat uh so there was it was just cold alaskan showers uh for a week or so i had just shaved my head probably some midlife crisis thing uh and so everything was cold brian i know you feel me on that um and i was hired to be like the farmer uh, but there was snow on the ground and also alaska has like a little bit of permafrost so the ground itself has to thaw and so i didn't really know what to do for a while i'm like cool let's start growing stuff and they're like we can't there's snow on the ground and there's no greenhouses yet and um also, the sun doesn't, like, go down after, like, May until, like, middle of August. So it's just, like, 
the sun comes up and then it comes down for a little bit and then comes back up. So it was like, I, it could be 4 a.m. and I'd still be looking at a sunset. So also I wasn't really sleeping great. Um, so it was a really good concoction of so many things all at once. Like, and I'm in a new place too. I'm away from family and friends. Again, completely alone. Um, I, I just kind of wandered the property a lot. Um, and it was great, but you know, after a while it gets old when you have no one to kind of share with. And I watched the sun set and literally rise, but you know, within hours of each other, uh, I sat next to the fire and tried my best to figure out what to do next with my life. Um, honestly, I do appreciate all the people that talked with me, Brashawn and Daniel and my dad and Danny, especially Danny. Um, but uh, that 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 kept me going because it was a lot of interesting times. Shane, the guy that leads the church up there, was like, he, he came up, he kind of showed me the place, and, and it was a Thursday, and he goes, uh, cool man, well, uh, I'll spend the night here, and, and then next day he goes, cool man, I'll see you Tuesday. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Uh, he goes, yeah, I'll see you Tuesday. And his mode was kind of like, I'm going to throw you into the fire and kind of see how you do. I'm like, dude, I am the only person here except for like this other married couple that is like super quiet. They're all doing like this Sabbath retreat, so they're like trying to be like, you know, just in, with just God and them, and it's so quiet out there. Um, so that was kind of the lonelier part. Luckily, I wasn't alone the whole summer. Uh, I did get to know some amazing people uh, in the many house churches. They have one in Anchorage. They have a whole bunch of house churches in Anchorage, uh, which is kind of like the big cities, kind of like our, like Portland or Eugene. Uh, and then we had like uh, Masilla, which is kind of like the Corvallis group. And then they had Talkeetna, which is like uh, – you know, it's just two people there. It's just two people in this house, and that's where I was staying. It was it was in Talkeetna. So it was like if I wanted to reach out to somebody and get some human connection with other disciples, it was like, hey, hey, Brody, can you know, can I come over and watch a movie with you guys just to have a conversation with somebody? Like, yeah, sure, come on over. But um, I got to serve and I got to help build and, and run the camp. Uh, they had like this farming program, and once all the the ground was all thawed, I got to help out with that. I got to volunteer, do all these Hope Worldwide programs, which is great. Uh, do my best to be an example uh, for those kids, all these high school kids that came up from around the country. Um, it was a great time of serving and helping, but um, at no amount of serving kind of kept me close to God. No amount of serving was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm back with you, God, like I'm next to you. But just the next day it would kind of start, and I'd be like, okay. Just, and again, felt that silence that I was talking about earlier. Just kind of felt that silence from God. And it was like, but God, I'm serving people. I'm, I'm helping these young kids. Uh, I'm doing a Hope Worldwide trip, which is this huge thing in our movement of churches. I'm in Alaska in this amazing place you've created. Um, you know, I, isn't that enough? Isn't that enough for me to feel close to you? Have I, haven't I earned it yet? Can I have some peace of mind now? Can I stop feeling like, like trash all the time? Uh, can I stop beating myself up for all these mistakes and failures? Uh, where's that peace you promise? Where's that rest you promise? Um, in Psalm 13, verses 1 to 2, it says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle, must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Here's a question. I'll leave this with you guys. Everyone ever get mad at God? Sure. Yes. 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 Lamentations 5.20. It says, why do you always forget us? 
Why do you forsake us for so long? It's okay. I was like writing, reading all this stuff. I'm like, I'm mad at God. Is that okay? I feel like this is a horrible thing to feel. It's like that, this anger towards God. But I didn't realize it's, it's okay. It's okay to have anger towards God. We're, we're human, and we don't see what he's doing. Uh, so majority of the time, it, it doesn't make sense to us. And when we're confused, we tend to get you know, frustrated. But it's with the it's, – it's okay to be angry at God if we're deciding to tell God about that, if we're deciding to kind of lean into God about that. Jeremiah was angry at God, but he chose to talk to God and be honest with where he was at. It's for me. It was when I started to lean into that accusation um, that Satan really likes to kind of put a seed in. It's like that little whisper of of, uh, of what what I think, what Satan thinks God's trying to do. Um, you know, when when it isn't okay. Um, I was getting really frustrated and, and impatient with God because I was waiting for some sort of help, um, some sort of feeling of peace and. Uh, some sort of joy that I used to feel, but I just continue to feel a constant silence. Let's turn to Ezekiel 3. Don't worry. It gets oh, better. It gets right. better from here. This is Yeah. <laughs> Give me an amen when you guys get there. Amen. We're going to be in verses 1 to 3. Daniel shared this uh, scripture with me to kind of give me some encouragement while I'm trying to help with the campus and singles group. Um, the scripture is uh, a depiction of how I wish I could um, hear and kind of read God's word. Excuse me, read God's word. It says, Son of man, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll, then go and speak to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me the scroll to eat. Then he said to me, eat this scroll I am giving to you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Um, we don't eat paper. We don't eat scrolls. It's a depiction of how we read God's words. Um, you know, when I got to Alaska, I was thinking, I had all these like plans in my head of like, what an amazing place to have a quiet time. What an amazing place to pray and read God's word. Literally sitting at the foot of Denali just well, I'm like, wow, what a place to just feel empowered. And I'm pretty sure Hannah had a much better experience than I did because uh, she would just came back. She'd tell me, it was like, it was great. I just kind of felt like I was at the feet of the cross all the time. I'm like, all right, Hannah, I'm kind of jealous of you. Um, but you're thinking, what an amazing place to be really close to God. Um, but honestly, with that, with that uh, silence that I was feeling for so long, um, I just kind of became more distant, uh, kind of pulled away. Uh, I stopped reading my Bible, stopped praying, uh, because that this like just like the Ezekiel scripture, it, it it wasn't sweet like honey to read this anymore. It it wasn't, it didn't feel good. If anything, it was the opposite. I would have this feeling of guilt or shame um, from how I don't measure up to the man I'm supposed to be in this, um, or how the relationship would have worked out if I had only just not been the sinner of a man, or. If I could only get my junk together, all my sin dealt with, I would finally have some contentment with God or some confidence with that relationship with God. It was, it was no longer sweet. Um, Satan, like I said earlier, had kind of slipped some accusations in with my relationship with God and my time with God that um, just made me feel like I, the worthlessness, felt like I just didn't measure up, uh, and it was tough. And I might be alone in this, but anyone else like blame God? For the distance that you feel when you haven't really given him the time of day. So then in response, you get even more distant because getting back to him would mean you have to drop your pride and actually ask for forgiveness. 
which is hard to do when you're prideful because what we like to do is we like to shift that blame. We like to shift that blame onto something else, and, and sooner or later that can lead to some really unhealthy relational issues with God and with others. I felt like, you know, Danny like took the brunt of it. You know, my parents took the brunt of it um, just with uh, my this whole past year, this whole healing journey. Um, but I could sense myself getting a hard heart towards God, and uh, I was just putting on a face uh, for others. I was getting tired. I was really getting tired of that because that, that's work. It's like a habit. It's a practice you have to do to put on a face every yeah. day. Um, okay. I was getting tired. Um, last Monday, I was I got I got home like a few weeks ago, and I was just I, I was back home, and I felt like I, I had gone away for a while and kind of did some things. So I was like, okay, and I come back home and I'm like, oh, back to square one. Mm. I'm just back at home, and it's like I'm it's like I just came back around full circle. Uh, and nothing had changed. And I was I was just in bed, and um, I was just, right before falling asleep, I was like, dude, you're so tired right now. You're just emotionally drained from having to hold on to this right now. And so I just, I, it's cheesy, but I, like, I grabbed my phone, and I just, I just put in like, give God another shot, because he gives me a shot every day. It's and, uh, cheesy. Um, and, and it's, and also in a weird way, it sounds like, like I'm this sort of coach giving a player another shot. Like, like I'm giving God another shot to work in my life. It, it, but in reality, it's a player that's kind of, you know, messed up so many times with a coach that's just like, get back in there. Get back on the court. You're fine, man. Just keep going. That's how it's It's like I'm just giving another shot. Get back on the court. I'm a basketball guy. That's, that's me. Um, but, you know, we have that free will. And I, I, I just want to use that to try again. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm having to like start over my relationship with God. That's kind of what Alaska is really exposing in me. Let's turn over to Exodus 14, 14. Come on, Trey. This is so all how right. do you try again with God? Thank you, God. This is something that uh, I was reading um, a few days ago. Exodus 14, 14. And I want to think about that, you know, that question. How do we try again with God? It's just one verse. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Wow. Ooh. Still. Not distancing yourself to try and see if Jesus will come after you to kind of pull you back. Not going to extremes in your faith uh, to kind of make it all right again or to earn it. Uh, just still. And like I said, it's a practice because uh, I've built up a ton of habits, good and bad, because I've practiced them. Um Let's turn over to Luke 5. Daniel shared with this one with me uh, right before the sermon. Thank you, Daniel. Give me an amen when you guys get to Luke 5. Amen. 5 verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Thank you, Daniel, for the point you shared with me that even Jesus, the guy who is God, um, had a relationship with God and daily would go and have time with him and go and build a habit of getting closer to him. It's a daily re relational work with God, daily communication with God, daily effort to build that relationship, a daily surrender to not getting what you want but getting what you need, um, a daily reminder that God is the prize. This has been something convicting me since like the, the conference back in August was like, is God your prize like or is it 
it's such that one-way street where, you know, God's wanting to be there with us and talk with us and, and be with us while we give him that little bit of effort, um, mostly so we can just feel good about the day. Like, that's how I've treated my quiet times. What we, that's what we call what, where we pray and read the Bible. Or, um, it's more of like a, I've been treating it as like a self-improvement. Um, like, give me my, my bread for the day so I can, I can feel confident in myself. And because, you know, God, yep, you're at the end kind of thing. But it's like, no, it's supposed to be a prize. If anything, I'm like, God, help me be more spiritual so I can get that relationship back. Or help me be more spiritual so I can, I can you know, figure out my career so I can, you know, be close to you while my career is amazing. Um, but uh, I've been treating it like a self-improvement. Romans 8.25 says, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Mm. Romans 12.12, 12, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I don't know yet what God was and is trying to teach me from that summer or this whole past year, uh, which honestly like has been probably my toughest year yet. And that's like easy to say from my silver spoon life that I've had. Like I'm honestly a spoiled rotten kid, but it's mine. That's that's like that's the road I have. And I'm like it's it's tough. I know plenty of people have it way worse than I do, and I see that, but I'm not going to, like, throw mine away and be like, yep, you're right, you're right, everyone's got it worse, you know, you're be, be grateful. Um, it's still the junk I have to deal with. Yeah. Um, I don't know what he's trying to teach me. I don't know if it's forgiveness, patience, surrender, stillness. Um, I'm guessing it's all of those. Um, <laughs> uh, but I've, I've really struggled with latching onto what people think about me and making that my identity. And know that all I really want is, and I think what I, it's been exposed to me the most is like, how does God see me? Because I felt just so, you know, lowered. Because uh, I feel lost. I think I, I, I put my identity in my education and career. And when that was gone, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. You know, I felt like I was letting my parents down. It's like they paid for my college for four years to get an agricultural science degree. And I did it for two years. And and I, I built this whole farm. I built a school farm. And my dad and I are sitting out there, like, envisioning the future and, like, this building this thing up. And I was like, I burned myself out doing it. And I'm just sitting there like, I don't know if I want to do this right now. And he, I remember his face when he was like, do you want to keep doing this? And, and I paused for a long time. He goes... That's the answer I needed. And I just felt like I let him down. I just felt like I let my dad out. I'm glad he's not here. Um, but uh, but I just felt like I let let all the whole community down. Because um, this is farm that I built for kids. And it's like, I, I don't know if I want to do this now. And I step away from it, so I quit that. And I go, what do I do? Like, do I want to do I want to keep doing this farming thing? Do I, do, I, do I even like this anymore? I kind of turned my hobby into a... a uh, a career and when you you know you kind of just like having it be a hobby and yeah. you learn to hate it yeah. or you it becomes something you don't yeah. like anymore because yeah. uh, you used to love it um, I put my identity in a relationship and when that ended I felt unworthy and lost a lot of joy for life uh, I put my identity in the place I grew up this amazing if you've been to my property it's a really cool place mm -hmm. well, not mine my parents property sorry <laughs> grandpa uh, <laughs> one, day. Um, one, one day maybe uh, but I built such a future in it um, and when I when I left, when I kind of uprooted is how I feel. When I uprooted away from home, and I, it was the first time I'd ever left home for such a long time. And when I went to Alaska, and I was like, I I came back, and I didn't really know what was home anymore. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I felt like I uprooted from home, and I was like, 
I don't know if I want to come back here like at the moment. And so like being, and that's why I'm like, I, I moved in with Prashant because he was like my counselor, my therapist was like, you need to get away from home. Yeah. Like, I need to move out and, and get away come from on. a little bit. Because I'm trying to like be my own man and like build my, you know, like some sort of identity for myself. And um, it's been a lot. Um, I want to reread that Psalm from earlier. Let's go back to Psalm 13. Come on, Trey. Oh, that's okay. awesome. Thanks, y'all. Psalm 13. Give me an amen when you guys get there. Amen. Verses 13. We're going to read 1 through 6. Kind of what we read earlier, but I, I love the ending to it because it's the beginning is so down, but it's, it's the way it ends is how I love it. It says, How long, Lord, will you forgive me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemies will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. He has been good to me. Mm. I know it sounded like such a downer of a lesson, but I wanted to end on a better note. I got to wake up almost every day and look at the tallest mountain in the uh, in North America. Uh, I think we might have a picture here. Um, maybe, hopefully. Beautiful. Just get a time. Oh, yes. That's that's just well, snow yeah. on Mount Denali. Um, <laughs> if, I, if I zoom back out, uh, you'll get it. No worries. I got to look at the tallest mountain every morning in North America. It was a mountain, a massive mountain. Let's see if we can get it up. That'd be cool. No, it escaped. <laughs> Boom, there we go. Maybe we can turn the lights down. You got it. I'd be really, I just, I love showing this picture off. I got, this is on like an old film camera and all that, but um, this is uh, Denali National Park. Um, and uh, Daniel, I'm really grateful for the people that came to visit me. I had Daniel come and visit me. I had my parents come and visit me. Oh, sweet. There we go. Okay. That's what I got to look up to every morning. It's, yeah, that's like pretty zoomed in, but like you can't look at Spencer's Butte and just go, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like you don't look at it like I looked at this thing. This thing was massive. Um, can't see it. I'll show you a picture on my phone. Whatever. Um, this is the Denali National Park. Um, it was. It's like a two and a half hour drive from where I was staying. It was beautiful. I got to backpack into the most majestic place I've ever seen. These just. I don't know. If, I don't know how many nerds we have here, but like Skyrim, just like this video game. That's like you're just in these tall, snow-dusted mountains and in these massive valleys and just like crevices and rocks and boulders the size of this room. It was giant. Um, I get to backpack in there. I got to hike across glaciers and see pods of whales feeding. I got to even, we can skip to the one where I, like, oh, this is from the lodge. This is just a, a picture mm -hmm. I got from the lodge. Just these massive windows to look through. And we'll see that. Um, I got to catch a, this is my first time ever fly fishing. I'm like, those, wow. look like, those look like boots, but I'm knee deep in Alaskan river water. Um, and the guy I lived, uh, the guy that came up and lived uh, near me on the camp, a uh, great guy, gave me company. It was amazing. We got to go out and fly fish all the time, uh, play video games for a little bit. He helped me out a ton. Um, but he taught me how to fly fish. I got, got out there, first time fly fishing, like second cast. 
catch really? a salmon. That's my, and it's like, that's the way to start like fishing, <laughs> is when you catch a giant fish. If you go out there and you're like, yeah, I got a little, it's, yeah, all it's great, it's all downhill. <laughs> yeah, but you know what, I'm excited about it. And it's something that, um, it just, it, it, it got me going and it was amazing. I've, I got to help a whole bunch of kids and they, like the, all these high school kids that are in like their teen camps or like teen ministries around the country. Um, thank you for changing off that. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I got to help these kids and they were so affirming. Like even one, one of the kids like wrote me a letter. It's like, yo, you're awesome. Thank you so much. And I, like the one thing I wanted to do was just like, if I can make an impact on one kid, if I can just help one kid out, if I can um, just be a big brother to these kids, and they're all like, Trey, do you want to come back and do it, and you know, do the internship again, or like, just be like a, a, an intern somewhere else, and uh, come help with the team camp. I'm like, that was affirming. I had these people really um, kind of speaking into me, uh, all the things that I kind of uh, I don't I don't speak into me, and I, I don't listen to God as much, but. God has been good to me. This summer wasn't full of junk. It was it was amazing too. I had an amazing time, many many amazing days. And towards the end, I was like, I was having quiet times, and I'm like, okay, I can kind of breathe a little bit. Um, but life gets crazy. Life life gets a little a little tough. I don't have a powerful conclusion or lesson that I want you to come away with. I just want to share that being refined by God can be extremely uncomfortable. Painful and confusing in the moment, um, and I feel like I'm kind of in that moment right now, kind of this big refining time. But to uh, kind of Brian Shirley share this with me, just like to lean into God during these times. Um, don't distance yourself like I tried to do, because um, that just lets Satan kind of get that tighter grip on your heart. Um, it, it, you get hard-hearted, and towards the end, I felt like I was getting real hard-hearted. I got home and I was real hard-hearted. Um, and, uh, and it's hard to break that. It's hard to drop the pride, like I said earlier. It's hard to drop that and ask for forgiveness. Um, pray and expect something from God, like, like it says in Psalm 5. Lean into God during the lonely times, even when you don't hear him. Um, still trying to listen, still trying to work uh, into that. Even Jeremiah, you know, didn't have any fruit from his ministry, but he still tried to lean into God. Um, so lean into God. I, I hope there's something from this you can relate to at all. If not, let me know. I'll figure it out. Uh, but thanks, guys, for listening. I hope you uh, got something. <laughs> I was expecting a song, so I could sing one for you guys. <laughs> That's okay. Right. Makes you feel better about your own singing ability. So, uh, Trey, thank you for your vulnerability. Yeah. Um, yeah. For sharing what you shared, because I think all of us, <clears throat> the walk with God is not this, you know, walk through Disneyland. The walk with God is really a spiritual walk that refines us for the rest of our lives. And I was asked to give my testimony, and as you can see, I'm no longer a young man. So time gives you a perspective, and I started thinking about my testimony. I was like, you know what? This is a, a long, I have a long testimony. But today I'm just going to try to be concise on what it means. And, and, I want, and I brought to you guys, and I think I don't know if I've ever shared this, this is my favorite, most prized possession I have. Right? And the person who gave this to me um, years ago is, is, was a dear friend, and it went straight under my bed and was not open for two years. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I grew up in, a, in, a, in a Montana 
My family of origin would probably be characterized as traumatic uh, by many people. Uh, my uh, growing up there, we, um, we didn't have any God. The example I had for God in my life was my father was a very argumentative guy. And whenever we had a family who were uh, even semi-religious, he would ask questions and they could never answer the questions, right? So he was a little confrontational. And, and so, in fact, I was so far removed from um, any kind of religion that I, everything was a monolith, right? I had a friend in high school, her father was a pastor. I didn't know that and I was in her house and I asked, what does your father do? He seems like a really nice guy. She's like, oh, he's a pastor. I was like, isn't he supposed to be celibate? That's <laughs> priest. Well, I, I didn't know. Right? My first encounter with God was my first girlfriend. This is the first person who actually actually loved me, and, and she really believed God had called her to break up with me. And and uh, that was very that was the first time I ever prayed. And I remember praying, going, God, I, I don't even know if you exist. I don't think you exist. But if you exist, I can't lose this person. And I was very good at helping her understand that she was making an emotional decision. And so she didn't do it, which was the worst decision she probably ever made. She should have. Because I ruined her life in many ways. But years later, um, you know, from an outside perspective, I was a very moral guy. I had an area like, you know, I was a person of my word. I worked hard. I did. You, I was trustworthy. Um, I had a lot of friends who were believers, and I really did not understand how you could believe in God. I just couldn't understand it. It was so far from the way I grew up, or just anyway. And when I had conversations with him, it's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. But I've always been a very philosophical person also, and also a searcher of truth. And I'd ask questions, and Honestly, most people couldn't answer. They, 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 or at least they didn't fit, or it wasn't an answer I was looking for. And uh, and uh, my frank thing was, you know, you guys are doing the same things I'm doing. You just have to get up early on Sunday and go do go to church. I don't. I get to sleep in, right? Yeah. But so my my next encounter was got with God as I was 21 years old in Key West, Florida, with my best friend Marcus, his good friend Kevin. And we're passing around shots of tequila, you know, one shot, one shot, one shot, getting ready to go out to the bars, right? To pick up um, the opposite sex. And we're getting our buzz on, so, so it's less expensive. And they start having this religious conversation. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, you know, people who are drunk or high, they typically think they're having this incredible philosophical conversation when they're not. And I knew that. I was like, I don't think they know what they're talking about. <laughs> right? But it was around God. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's what this means. And oh, yeah, that means. And I just remember I did something very unsafe for me at that time. I And um, they looked at me and go, what's wrong with you? And I was like, man, if there's a hell, I'm going to it. I am black inside. And so, you know, that was joy kill. And, uh, <laughs> but I remember very specifically walking towards, um, we're walking out, going to the bars, and, uh, you know, Marcus looks over at Kevin, I'm in between, and by, there's a huge sailboat in front of us, and they're like, hey, let's do it, let's do it. I'm like, what are you guys, you guys are being weird. And they're like, all right, man. And so crowd together, he's like, okay, say this prayer. I'm like, all right. I say the prayer, pray Jesus my heart. 
boom, you're saved, man, let's go. So then we go out to pick up women. And it just didn't feel right. Didn't make sense. There was no change. But there was a slight change. I started not wanting to do the things I was doing in my life. And then I had a very dear friend. I moved to Atlanta. And she would drag me to East, uh, a church. And I said, I can't go to church because I'm a Bible. Right? I can't go to, I can't do these things. And, and uh, finally, she bought a Bible and uh, she gave it to me on Christmas 1992, 30 years ago. And I was like, thanks. And she threw it in my bag, left it there. But she wrote a scripture in it. It was 1 John chapter 2. And I can just quote it. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world, for he who loves the world does not have the love of the Father within it. <clears throat> for the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life, these are not of God. Mm. He who loves the world will fade away, but he who love, basically loves God will live forever. Mm. And that was me, right? I loved the world. I loved the world and God brought me and there's another scripture in Acts 17 it says you know God has determined the, the exact places that we should live right so that in the end we would reach out to him so I didn't know I had a problem in my life until I tried to stop doing the things I knew I was doing and I couldn't stop and so two years later Around 1994, I was in a lot of different relationships. And in one of those relationships, um, was a, the person was pregnant. Come on, Brian. Come on, Brian. Come on, Brian. And uh, she, we talked on the phone. And I remember I had a call. We had a call waiting back then. And uh, so my friend called. I got off the phone. And I remember just walking around my bed, right? Walking around my bed. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And so I called her back and I said, "Listen, I want you to have the baby." And she's like, well, I want to be with you. And I'm like, I'm not going to be in a relationship with you. She's like, well, will you pay for an abortion? And I was like, well, I can't do that because I know that's wrong in my heart. I was like, I knew it was wrong. And uh, regardless, we got off the phone. She had the, she had the procedure. But that Wednesday was the first Wednesday I'd ever gone to church on my own. I knew nobody there. It was Eastside Baptist Church in Marietta, Georgia. It's a guy preaching, Jerry Pipes. And I remember sitting in the, in the audience going, this is not, this I cannot. I don't, you know what I mean? I couldn't. Just cut to the heart. Went to the next Wednesday. Just cut to the heart. And uh, they'd always do an altar call. And I was like, no, I can't. I couldn't give it up. I couldn't give my life up, right? And then the third week, Again, I went, and then I, I responded, and I was baptized two weeks later. 
And I think the scripture I want to share with you is in Luke 14. Um, it says, well, Proverbs 1. Because I began a walk with God at that time, everything changed for me, but I didn't have anybody to teach me to follow the Bible. Right? I read my Bible every day, every night. Uh, my life dramatically changed. God took me from Georgia, put on my heart to leave, went to work the boats in Alaska. And that was a time of reconciliation. I was able to reconcile with my father. Unbeknownst to me, he was going to die two months later. So it was pretty amazing. And then when he died, I was... Uh, my family relied on me to move and change my life to go take care of my mom. And it's funny to me because I'm 51 years old now. And she was only 53, but I thought she was old. <laughs> right? And uh, so I changed, my whole life changed again. But now I had the Bible, but I was falling back into the things I had before. I ended up in Missoula, Montana on my back in June of 1995 just crying out to God. And just saying, God, I read your word, but nobody's living this. Nobody's doing it. And I just want, I'm so sorry for my sin. Can I, will you help me? And I really, and the next day I got up and I started repenting. I moved out of the household I was in, moved in with a Christian family in a room, started cutting all these things out of my life. And there was a guy in my, a guy I was playing basketball with back then. I was, I was a pretty good athlete. And he invited me to church. It's always interesting to me that I would never knew anybody when I first went to church. And we studied the Bible, blew open to me. But I started really counting the cost of what it would mean to follow God. And this is the scripture that finally broke me and brought me to God fully. It's in uh, I, uh, Proverbs um, chapter 1, sorry. Verse 22. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will markers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. But since you rejected me when I called and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh at your disaster. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When, over, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then you will call to me and I will not answer. They will look for me, but they will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to hear the word, since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. So super encouraging scripture. <laughs> right? My, just give you a little, my, my name, my nickname was Ego with my friends, just so you get an idea. But that scripture at that time cut through exactly because I wanted truth. I wanted to follow God. I wanted to do these things, to be with him. But I came in except for in this area of my life or except for this. And with God, 
it is about there is no negotiation. <laughs> right? There is no, okay, as long as I get to do this, right? Or as long as I get to keep this, or as long as this, there's no negotiation. He is God. And there is no peace until I surrender. When I made that first altar call, it was so hard to do. That was my first conversion. It was literally my first conversion where I was willing to surrender everything to God and follow him. But I didn't have people to teach me. That second time was the, I had people in my life to teach me. But it was also a tremendous surrender to God. And he says it in Luke 14. You know, you can turn there and this is all finished with this scripture. Verse uh, 31, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one um, coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for the terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. And in my life, with who I was, it was surrendering everything, right? And I'll tell you, I cannot not believe that God exists now because of the experiences I've, I've had. Mm-hmm. I went, I, I, this thing, this Bible was so intimidating to me, right? But now to me, it's the word of life. Yeah. It has been for years. I knew before I was converted to Christianity, I could not be married because I could not remain faithful, right? But I've been married for 20 years now. Because God, faith is a gift. I thought I chose God. There's a scripture in nine, uh, Romans nine, that says, um, "God, um, basically, He'll have mercy on He'll have mercy on compassion on He'll have compassion. It's His choice. And even when I was a kid, God was there for me. I look back now and I see how He was there for me, and He took me into the exact places I needed to live, so that I would reach out to Him and perhaps." Perhaps find him, right? And in that, for me, my experience was surrender. And getting to that point of surrender took took a lot of bad things happening in my life because of my own pride. But after that surrender, after that, oh, I made a choice. No, it's a letting go. It's a letting go of who I was. It's a letting go and trusting him. After that, peace and who I was really designed to be came to fruition. So that's kind of my testimony. Every person that is here, Father, they're not here by accident. Everything, every place they've lived, all the things they, they've gone to is for, gone through is for one purpose and one person only, to get to them a place where they will reach out to you. You know, no longer, no matter how long we've been a follower or a believer, believer in, in, in the church, or if we've been, um, oh Lord, I just, if, if we haven't been, you are active in our lives, Father. And I ask that through your cross that you've given us an opportunity, and I ask, Father, for each person here that there would be a letting go of whatever they're holding on to. A letting go of that hand, and then they're reaching out to you. Thank you for the mercy you showed me. Thank you for Jesus Christ. And I thank my friend.